Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me go. I can get my cooler. Hey, I got 10 to 12 beers in there. They're yours. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Underrated Podcast. We're a podcast that discusses films that are underrated, underappreciated, or the ones that have slipped under the radar and passed most people by. As always, I am one of your hosts, Ariel Ortiz, and today I'm joined by Derek McDuff and Alan Torres. As always. Um, and today we're going to be talking about um, a choice of my own, and it's a movie that I've been kind of been wanting to watch for a while. I've heard really good things about it, but. It's always one that's not really discussed much and is a little bit more um, underground indie, in my opinion, or consider that at least. Um, and we are going to be talking about Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is um, about two lovable hillbillies that come across a case of assumptions where more so the ass is made out of the you instead of the me. So we could just start digging in and discussing this really funny movie yeah uh this is a movie that i had actually kind of in the had in the back of my mind as thinking about covering for a while now and the main reason is because this is one of my brother's like one of his favorite movies of all time he's always been kind of like you should cover this in your show at some point um because he was introduced to it by a friend who basically is Dale from this movie. Like, he's he's a good old boy, but he's, like, the nicest guy you will ever meet. And just by looking at him, you might be like, oh, what's this guy's deal? But he was he's an absolute sweetheart. And so I watched this movie with him and my brother and a bunch of my brother's friends a couple years back. And I was just really won over by it. I think it's, it's very fun and heartwarming. It does a really uh, good job of taking all of these tropes and conventions that you would see in all these Cabin in the Woods, Friday the 13th, uh, even like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, oh, there's those, you know, watch, watch out for them, them and them hills, them hill people. And it just kind of flips all of that on its head and makes it really a commentary on just kind of judging people and the lack of communications and the problems that causes in the world. Uh, so I think it does manage to convey that really important message in a very fun and stupid and goofy way that I had an absolute ball with. Like, it's this movie so ridiculous. Like when they, he just like jump, the guy jumps head first into the wood chipper. I was like <laughs> dying and laughing. There's so many moments. Like it's just like these kids are out here killing. Them. By the way, 
Alan Tudyk is always a win for me. I'm always in the pocket for him. So like, Hell like yeah, he's as, amazing. As soon as I saw him pop up, I was like, okay, cool. I'm I'm on board. Uh, even though he's the first name character, he's more of the supporting role. But he he's so so good in this. Um, and I do like that he is a little more. Even though I just said he was like the more supporting character, he is more of a central role than you would usually see him in. He's usually just doing like voice work or showing up as like Wendy's mom in the new Peter Pan or Wendy's dad in the new Peter Pan movie or whatever. So it's really cool to see him flex those muscles. But one thing that really bugs me in a lot of movies, especially horror films, is just the kind of like, oh my gosh, if these people would just talk to each other or just do the smart thing, then this would everything would be solved. And this movie takes that up to the like eleventh degree, like the turning it up to eleven but it is actually a commentary on how we need to be more communica- communicative. I can't even communicate this word uh, in our day-to-day life. And so I think that was a really smart, fun, meta way to handle this just kind of brisk, fun movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually saw this a long time ago. I, I remember I had a friend who, oh gosh, when did this movie come out? It was... 2010. 2010. Okay, yeah, for sure I saw it a long time ago. because. Uh, this was like early Netflix. Like this is when Netflix was finally streaming and people were kind of mm-hmm. getting into it in the early 2010s and I had a buddy who was like, oh my God, you're, you're a horror guy. You're going to love this movie. And he kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. You know, we would go out drinking all the time, but he's like, bro, you have to watch this. And I was like, all right, fine. So I finally sat down and watched it and I fucking loved it. It was It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I had seen Alan Tudyk in Firefly. And And he's also Steve the Pirate. Mm -hmm. And I saw the guy who plays Dale, uh, Mm -hmm. Tyler Labine. He does like I was going to say, yeah, he's he's great in this, but in Reaper, he's fucking Mm -hmm. outstanding. Mm -hmm. So I was really, I was like, all right, cool. At least I know these two guys are really great actors and just stole the show. I mean, it's their show. So they just (laughs) completely killed it. And yeah, Derek, just like you said, it's a great commentary. I feel like it's in that realm of horror film that satirizes the horror genre, mm-hmm. like Scream or Cabin in the Woods. And I absolutely love that. I, I love when it kind of pokes fun at itself. And, and what's also great, too, is that it has some great gore. It really goes out of its way. Like, it, it really pushes it when it wants to, but it's also hilarious as well. Because I feel like one of the biggest things with horror comedy is that Sometimes it just it just doesn't hit. It either hits on the horror or it hits on the comedy, and then it just does a really bad job being both. And just like you know, Cabin in the Woods and Scream, that this movie's hit, hits the nail on the head on both ends. It does a great job. All the actors are awesome, enjoyable story, and like you said, like the commentary is great. You know, it's those things where it's just like don't go, don't go into the house, and and I just love how it's this funny. The kids are killing themselves. Like that that line, he's just like, you know, Alan Tudyk's character is calling the cops, and he's just like, oh my god, I don't know what the fuck's going on. These kids are just killing. They're running out of nowhere. They're killing themselves. It's like a cult, and I just absolutely had me fucking dying. Um, I didn't get the opportunity to rewatch it just because uh, life happens, but I remember it very fondly, and it's just such a banger. And and honestly, I actually had this in the back of my mind. I was thinking about doing an underrated, but. The thing is, I'm always on uh, the horror, uh, our horror, uh, Dreadit on Reddit, mm-hmm. and it gets brought up a lot. 
So I was kind of like, ah, oh, is it underrated? I don't know. Is it one of those like? It's an under radar. I feel like the horror fans, it's maybe maybe not underrated, but like I don't think like a lot of general audiences see yeah. it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, when Ariel had brought it up, I was like, "All right, cool. Yeah, I think it's kind of under the radar." Yeah, I hang out, I hang out there way too much. So when <laughs> I think a movie's underrated, and they start talking about it all the time, I go, "Oh shit!" Well, I guess it's not. And then someone goes, "Have you heard of this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course. What the fuck?" And they're like, "Yeah, like you said, it's the general audience. They're all not going to hear about it." And I and again, this was kind of a cult film. Yeah, when it came out, I think a lot of people had seen it, and then it just disappeared. So and then I can't even believe it. It came out 2010. I feel like it. It was years ago, but damn, yeah, that's mm-hmm. not total total blast. I, I it's a great. It, I I honestly kind of wish it was more of a classic mm-hmm. that more people knew about because it's so damn funny and like yeah. it, it's not particularly scary, but it's gory. But it's it's just so much fun, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I just had a, such a wonderful time with this movie. I think it it's. Definitely gonna become like one that I rewatch very regularly, just for it, it. It's just such. While it's zany and like crazy, it is very much based in and very grounded in reality because of this. This is kind of like how people. <laughs> this kind of situation would if you make that assumption of a hillbilly of pulling the scene at the beginning, kind of a little reminiscent of Deliverance itself, which is like considered as one of the prime and earliest versions of like that 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 notion of hillbillies being like scary or etch or you know sketchy with the kid at the like I, I don't know if he was like pumping water i think it was pumping water but that kid right away i was like deliverance right there that that's like a reference just missing the banjo and the the rocking chair for that one but yeah like it, it's such a incredible movie i i know it might I, I Alan Tudyk is just kind of like a guy that that it is very much involves himself in cult. He just finds a cult following in his own way. Like he's for us uh, it, going to cons and stuff like that. He's just a regular to us, so he's just always funny, always entertaining in everything that he gets a sense in. Like definitely, if you want to check out a lot more on camera things, especially now is is Resident Evil. It Resident. Alien is such an incredible like showing of his physicality in both in normal face and then in prosthetics as well. And yeah, it, it's he's he's just Alan Tudyk. Like he's just as Alan Tudyk, and and that's all you can say. Like everything he's in, just is another, another quick so shout out for him is if anybody's seen Santa Clarita died, he actually takes over the role of a severed zombie head from another Firefly alum. He takes over the Nathan yeah. Fillion role. So you're like, oh. Okay. But, yeah. mm-hmm. And he fucking God, dude! Oh my God, I'm tracking off a little bit, but fucking Santa Clarita Diet was so fucking good, and right? I am so sad it got canceled. It was easily one of the best Netflix originals. Mm-hmm. I, I, me and my girlfriend yes. were obsessed with it, and and yeah, when when I heard Nathan Fillion left, I was really sad. And they're like, but Alan Tudyk, and I was like, oh, even better. Yep, yep. <laughs> I was like, that's fine with me. And but, then, uh... yeah, I mean. I, yeah. Oh, sorry. I want to give a little oh, no. shout out to yeah. him too, as the resident DC guy. I love that he's done so he's many DC performances. He's in the Harley Joker. Quinn. He's Clayface and Harley Quinn. He's mm-hmm. played Superman in, uh, I think maybe Flashpoint, uh, a couple of those. And it's so wild how he has 
three unique performances in in mm-hmm. those. Like he's able to play Superman. I think it's also um, Dark Side War, or not Dark Side War. Um, that one and Joker and Clayface, where I'm just like, each one is so unique. Sometimes you can kind of hear that graveliness in his voice, mm-hmm. but it's so impressive that he can go from these characters with such ease. And then, oh, he was also in um, Doom Patrol as uh, Mr. Nobody, and he knocked it out of the park in that. And and one of my favorite little things in Doom Patrol was it's very weird and meta and strange. And one of my favorite gags is that he doesn't return in the second season. And they're kind of... And this is when Doom Patrol and Harley Quinn were all in the DC Universe app. Mm-hmm. So it, it might not make sense anymore if you've watched it now. But... Essentially, they go, hey, where's Mr. Nobody? Like, why the fuck isn't he here kind of thing? And they make this subtle joke of like, oh, well, maybe he had better things to do. And at the bottom of the screen, they show this little advert for the Harley Quinn show. As soon as that happens. (laughs) And at first you go, what the fuck? Do they do that on purpose? Like, is that like an ad? But in reality, it was like the perfect like meta joke. Yeah. He went over. But yeah, Yeah. sorry. I I had a jerk them off in the dc stuff real fast but yeah oh no no i think but i I love that that like in in the sense that that the industry really does like and they know him like he's Mm -hmm. become notable as being such a versatile voice specifically but but character actor as well and i'm I'm really happy for alan tudyk anytime disney's like we need a weirdo who can we get get him on the phone doesn't he play? He plays a chicken. He plays a chicken, and he's like, "I went to Juilliard." And then he like he was also like he's like basically what John Ratzenberger is for Pixar movies. He's in like the main. He's in like every Disney animated movie going back the last I don't know how many years. Like he's in Fro- uh, Frozen. He's like the Duke of Wessington or whatever the Weasleton. Um. So yeah, he he you can and always. And he's also kinda... Duke Wes- Weaselton in in Zootopia as a as a. Pun yeah, of so that, he, he that just performance. He, exactly, yeah, yeah. So he just shows up in all these great, like, little cameos slash supporting, just really bizarre, great character roles. Mm-hmm. But um, just kind of before before Lee, um, speaking about Dale's um, actor, but uh, but the part that just it it's just Alan Tudyk's brilliance. That's the part. One of the most funniest parts to me was the scene where he's giving Dale the nail gun. And the nail gun goes off, and he just is like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it just hit me so hard, and it was so funny. Um, but yeah, going to to Dale's actor, like I've known him, yeah, since since Reaper, but um, more recently, like he's a really good dramatic actor, and has had like a ten years since the beginning, and it's going to be actually ending this season, I think, or next season of um, New Amsterdam. He plays a really awesome character in that one as well. And um, uh, Tyler Labine is is who yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyler Labine. Yeah, he's just he's awesome too, and awesome in this role. Just off the bat, you like love him to death. To death, he, he's he's such a fun character, and. Yeah, and all these just going on to the the teenagers themselves, and like of course the Chad is a literal Chad, you know, kind of thing. He is the Chad. He has, you know, the pop collar, polo shirt. He's wearing a white belt that that the belt um, loop buckle is pushed to the side. It's not centered. It, it's just he's the embodiment of of the Chad. And him going crazy, and it it was it's such an incredible twist, you know. Like it's it is a classic horror twist of like 
the reveal of his of his parentage and stuff, but which is kind of sad in its way. And it's very tragic, and you and like the I love how like Dale feels sorry for him for a second, but he's like, but this man's crazy, <laughs> kind of thing. And like, oh, this explains it as well as that that he's crazy. And and yeah, that was like a pretty awesome because like he he, he turns it's literally a transformation of of him being like the the teenage you know hero like um who's the one from from friday the 13th tommy um yeah the, the, yeah is that he, kevin bacon no no that, he, he dies, bacon in dies. The original yeah yeah, yeah that's all the, oh, he's the he later dies. oh the um uh, the, yeah, later the later one it's things. uh with um cory cory feltman there it's you not go, Corey yeah. Feldman, though. But, yeah. He's in he's in he, couple. He, they can't change. No, no, actors. no, but he's in yeah, Tommy. They, they change actors. Yeah, they change yeah, actors. I think the first Tommy is like when he's a kid, he mm. fucking shaves his head, and then later on it's like another guy, and then I think it's another guy after. I don't remember. Yeah. I, but yeah. But but yeah, like uh he you know, he goes from the, that kind of character to just slowly descending into madness and then to the and then to have that reveal of like which is kind of like a classic killer origin story of like, oh, like my my father was a serial killer and it's in my genes and stuff like that and go crazy. Just a really awesome concept and and, and I and that's what you get for for these like indie movies. You could definitely see it wasn't high budget, but it made it even more darling for that. It it, it felt very much like, um, especially like the opening scene, and um, re- such recently watching um Evil Dead for the first time. That opening scene felt very much like Evil Dead in quality and of it as well. And and yeah, it, it's such a. I, I, it's such an enjoyable movie. It, I I loved it from like beginning to end, and I was very very happy that 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 the misidentification of of Tucker Dale did not last. <laughs> I was very much expecting it to turn out like oh yeah they're gonna like get get arrested because nobody will believe them, uh, and then yeah like how Allison's friend was like oh she has Stockholm syndrome. So it was very nice. It was very nice to have them actually be believed and to actually the the um news people which like that was pretty fun like with, at the beginning with like, a very scary movie trope of like the bad guy is still alive kind of thing but yeah i was very happy that that they didn't get arrested and then it, they got their happy endings well tucker kind of like uh lost his vacation home <laughs> and his car yeah. but but in other ways like uh I, I did love that, like, Dale kind of gained the confidence, and yeah, it was a very, very fun movie. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. I de- And, you know, I, I touching on what you were saying, Ariel, I really like the arc that Dale goes on through the movie, where at the beginning, he is just kind of this very timid guy, and he's, he's, he doesn't, he's not confident in his looks, and, you know, he's afraid to talk to women, but he's such a good guy, even in the beginning. You know, when they see that scene of Allison, she's getting ready to skinny dip, and he just like he immediately closes his eyes. You know, he's such a like a wholesome dude, and but he just he has he won't stick up for himself. And there's even that great scene where he's just like stick up for yourself, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna take the beer, and he's just like, well, and he just is like, not not my beer right now. And seeing his arc throughout the film till the end when he's finally ready to go out with this girl that he's clearly built up these feelings for, I thought it was just like a really tender nice emotional journey for this character 
And, you know, it was it was good because it was never anything about like being like there's no toxicity in his just coming to terms with that where you as you have, you know, the character who is the Chad who is very toxic. Uh, he never goes down that path where he just like assumes because he's like the quote unquote the typical hero of the story that he's gonna get the girl and he's gonna hook up with her at the start like you see in so many horror movies like the couple hooks up and then they get killed by the murderers and it just subverts all of that in a way that I really enjoyed. I agree. I, I like that too. You know, I, I I mean it kind of shows how like I mean I'm not trying to be oh I'm a nice guy, but like sometimes the chat is just a piece of shit. Yeah, you know, they don't deserve to kind of get the girl. And I was kind of like, yeah, fuck you. That's what you get kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But um, Anybody who's worn a pop, pop collar, you're a Chad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a fun film, man. It, it's great. And um want to give a big shout out to my buddy, Dane, who I miss very much. Big shout out to him for introducing this movie to me, and I'm glad that we came back around to talk about it. Cause uh yeah, I remember him bugging me so much about it. So yeah, I'm I'm really glad to see it and, and I really hope more people get out there and watch it because it's really hard to come by a good horror comedy, especially mm-hmm. like this, where it's and it's a great happy ending too. I, I usually prefer the absolutely horrific and sad endings, you know, just horrible shit happen to people but this one yeah the whole time you're rooting for them and i was like i really want them to get their happy ending and they did and i know um one of you guys said like oh he lost his vacation home but i'm like but he survived i think he got his fingers back so at least at the end he got that and he survived i think at the end of the day when you go through something traumatic like that you're like i'm glad i'm alive so yeah I, and, and yeah, I I do love like we've talked about a lot of films that fall into this category of really meta horror films that are subverting the genre, and I definitely have a fondness for them. You know, we talked about the Evil Dead remake. Uh, obviously, we talked about the Cabin in the Woods, one of my all-time favorite movies. And then with Matt and Mark, we call we talked about um oh what was the it's the I'm spacing on the name um it's <sighs> Bubba Hotep. No, 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 the the one we did with him before that it was um about the 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 fight where it makes the final girl like an actual action badass. Um, oh, the home invasion ready? one. You're next. You're, You're next. next. Thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you. But, I yeah. wish I was on that one because I absolutely love that film. That, that, that movie's really fucking that good was, too. But yeah, and then yeah, like you said, I also got a shout out my brother Mitchell for for making me watch this movie. And strangely, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but when I went on like just watch. This movie is like streaming everywhere, everywhere mm-hmm. at least that has ads. So there's something weird going on with the rights to it or something. Where because I like was like, okay, where should I watch this? I'm like, oh, it's on Peacock and Amazon and Tubi and like Hoopla and like just anywhere. It's like so. Hopefully, with all of those options, with all these free options to watch it, people will start discovering this movie because, like we said, you know, there there are so many ways now for people to watch movies with stuff like Tubi and stuff introducing these kind of like weirder horror things. But yeah, it's just on all of these apps. So I don't know what mm-hmm. happened with the rights there, but I'm glad it's ma- ho- potentially going to be in a lot of uh, front of a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, I really do hope that that more movies follow that kind of thing. Like just just stream on different platforms at, at the same time. Share yeah. share it among the people. You know. Absolutely, yeah, most definitely. 
And I wanted to ask, so since we're kind of talking about films that kind of subvert the genre, mm. what are some films that you guys personally really love? Like that are closer, even if they're popular or underrated, whichever, which one like hits you where like you like that it turns the genre on its head kind of thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be horror. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in recent years, kind of going back to that that you're next, and I had mentioned it in that episode, I'm pretty sure. But but in recent years, like Ready or Not, it's been a really mm-hmm. awesome one, in my opinion. I really love that that one. Kind of yeah, subverting the the final girl kind of genre in a way. The uh, kind of holiday <laughs> holiday one, I guess, in in a way, is like a like Violent Night. In recent mm. that that one just popped into my head with like very much warrior Saxon historic santa claus just going die hard on everybody was a really fun like kind of subversion of genre also like i just watched it yesterday renfield is a little subversion of genre too like just with the whole touching touching on classic movies even have like a sequence that's very that's like in the style of and and reenacts scenes from the universal dracula the black and white one but it's kind of like turns it on its head as well with this like concept of of renfield actually being in a toxic relationship and and taking it on that kind of road i enjoyed that that twist but yeah those are like some recent ones that have popped into my head so one that i feel like this movie has been probably reclaimed a lot recently when it first came out uh i know a lot of people were just like what is this and i had no interest in it i think that's probably because it was mismarketed but i think that a film that does a really good job and it's once again in the horror genre of kind of taking the typical villain or typical um typical victim and making them into the villain is jennifer's body i think that is such a clever screenplay uh by diablo cody it's like, that is exactly how she, you should mutilize Megan Fox. She's so good at it. The dynamic between her and Amanda Seyfried is so good. Um, if anybody listening has not seen Jennifer's Body, it is an absolute blast, especially if you're a horror fan. Check it out. It's, I think, honestly, I would have said maybe five years ago it's underrated, but it's kind of become this this darling um, where it's it's one, I think it, if you, it has the record for the biggest increase in Letterboxd rating over the past 10 years um, because people are kind of re-examining it through new updated eyes and being like, did we miss the boat on this one? Um, so yeah, I, I really love Jennifer's body. You know what? I, I, I actually wanted to see that. Well, now, recently, I wanted to watch it because when it came out, you're right, it was marketed. It, it was marketed as this very, like... Sexy vampire. Sexy and it's hot. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. You know, girls making out together. And I was like, I mean, I guess. And and it just, and I know, like, I heard Diablo Cody wrote it and I was like, well, you know, Juno and all that. Mm-hmm. I was like, but it's just the way it was marketed. It was so like, ugh. Or I was like, eh, maybe I'll wait for it. Maybe whatever. And then, yeah, like you said, it, it kind of get this, it, it got this um, reevaluation where I was like, damn, all right, maybe now I kind of want to give it a watch. But yeah. um, well, to Ariel, yeah. I think one last thing I'll say to Ariel for, to pique her interest in it is that Adam Brody is in it, and he is incredible as this like 
almost like evil Brandon Flowers character. I freaking love like he's just like this early 2000s like glam rocker with like the mascara and stuff like that. And he is mm-hmm. so good. He's somebody who I'm a huge fan of. I know you're a big fan of too, Ariel. And he just he needs to be in more stuff. And he's great in it in the supporting mm-hmm. role. Yeah, like I saw I've seen like a bit of it. Hasn't grabbed me yet, though. Well, watch the watch the whole thing. Watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Cause it it, I just I, I like it was a scene with with um, with Megan Fox, and you she's she's tolerable. But she's yeah. so good. Like she like this is the role she was like made for. Like she's mm-hmm. like whatever in the Transformers and like New Girl, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like this is exactly. Like, this is tailor-made what she should be playing. And, yeah, once you have the context of the whole film, it's 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 brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll check it out. It hasn't, like, I, I don't, yeah, it hasn't hit my radar. Or it's going to take a lot. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah like, Brody, you, you everybody else, and that, I, had the same, I had the same feeling. And I eventually went back mm-hmm. in Boston, and I was like, you know what, same I missed here. the boat on this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Alan. Alan, what about, what were you saying? What about you? <sighs> Oh man, see, like, I I don't maybe it did. We, we've covered it before. Shameless plug. They came together. I just I fucking uh-huh. hate romantic comedies. I hate that passion. one. <laughs> I know you hate it, but we like it. Let us like things, Ariel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even. Yeah. I can't. I didn't even bash you on liking Jennifer's body. I'm you just saying. Three seconds ago. <laughs> I said I didn't. I'm giving perspective on my own. All right. Thing. Well, let Alan talk about why he likes the movie. <laughs> um, no. I, well, I, I mean, I hate romantic comedies. I really don't like them. They fucking piss me off. And it, it just really gives like. But anyway, I, I won't go into that. But what I loved about it was that it was just so. Ah, uh, it was perfectly done for me. Like I loved the fucking comedy. I just loved how bonkers and and wacky it was and it really just turned everything up inside its head like it just kept giving for me like it just kept Mm -hmm. giving 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 where like romantic comedies i feel like just depress me and i'm just like oh god like oh yeah (laughs) yeah that they just they make me so sad for some reason like they piss me off yeah yeah this one i was just like oh god this is a fucking blast uh, and yeah, like it just it just turned everything around, and and like yeah, it it, it I think for me it was a, I guess it's kind of how like people well this movie if if anything it's I feel Tucker, Dale versus Evil is a great movie to show non horror fans mm-hmm. because yeah. you know they're gonna go in with expectations like oh the hillbillies are the bad guys blah 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 and then no, you find out they're not and it's hilarious and and it does a great job so I feel like Tucker and Dale versus Evil is like. Uh, or actually, sorry, they came together mm-hmm. is a romantic comedy version of that kind of subversion. Yeah, for yeah. Evil. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely love that. So for me, because I won't lie, I was so fucking nervous going into that movie. I was like, oh my god, it's romantic comedy. I fucking... But it has Paul Rudd, and then and my girlfriend was like, well, it has Amy Poehler. I was like, ah, fuck it, okay. And then we started watching it, and like, first five minutes, I was like, oh, this is that type of movie? I'm <laughs> and I fucking follow. But anyways, go go back and listen to the episode. Yeah, I'll jerk it off more on that one. But yeah, <laughs> definitely that one. That that was one of the ones where I was like, yeah. Well, I have one more. I don't know if this would qualify or not, because it feels like it might be a kind of subversion of just like a dumb... It's not even stoner, because you don't see them as stoners, but they're just, they act like stoners. 
of just like those kind of 80s movies with like two idiots in it but then like actually it's like a time travel adventure and that's bill and ted i freaking love bill and ted like all three of them but especially that first one is such a classic mm-hmm. so creates Socrates! Um, oh my god, is that where that's from? Yeah, yeah. Socrates. I've actually, I've actually never seen the Bill and Ted movies nor Jennifer's oh. Body. Dude, you got okay. And, Bill and Ted first. That's that's like an iconic yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of them. I was like, uh, I, I've seen parts of it, but I didn't know what was going on because I guess it's mm-hmm. a lot more than I thought. So yeah, uh, I kind of, I got to give it a shot. Strange yeah. things are afoot at the Circle K. Mm-hmm. Be awesome to each other. Uh, another one. I don't think it was very like submersive, but I uh, like like it changed the genre. But I feel like it was more like a let's push it, and mm-hmm. and I think it just it, again it's it's a little horror movie that could a little mega slasher that could was Terrifier two, where I just it, it just blew my mind how such a small budget went balls to the wall extreme. And just did very well because I, I won't lie, the first one I I liked it, but I thought it was very like torture porny. And then Terrifier Two, I felt like they understood this time around that they had to do a blend of like black comedy, like they needed that missing mm-hmm. ingredient, mm-hmm. and they threw it in there, and it just worked. And yeah, I I feel like it's success for what it is. Yeah, because I kind of went in just going like, oh, cool, you know, we'll give it a watch, slash movie. But yeah, I feel like it's it's averted more than just Mm. the genre, but but just more like itself. Like it was, it became bigger than what it was. Yeah. Like it, Mm. yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. well, unless you were going to say something there, I just wanted to comment on like, like I think that's common thread between all of these movies. Uh, And I think that like they all, it's a really fine line between walking of like paying reverence to something while kind of deconstructing and making fun of it but also not being like yeah but this thing you love is really dumb like the all of mm-hmm. these movies that we've talked about while they are kind of like subverting these things and in a sense a little bit making fun of them but they still you can tell there still is the love for all of these movies all of these horror films that we talked about they clearly are made by people who have this reverence for horror films and another example I'll give is look at Enchanted. That is a movie that is absolutely just taking apart all of the Disney mythos and, and re- deconstructing it. But it also just loves that classic Disney formula while it's totally building up. And like that movie, like in retrospect, that was a hard thing to pull off. So much so that like watch the second one, which does not do a good, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people people's doesn't really pull that off. But that and so that first Enchanted was so freaking good, and all these movies that we talk about are so good because they managed to absolutely strike that balance of like we are making fun of this thing and and pointing out all the the tropes to it, but still being like, but we love it, we appreciate it, and we know that you watching it also love and appreciate it, and we're gonna do this out of the kind of admiration we have for this style of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I think with Disenchanted, it plays more into the while while Enchanted played more into classic Disney princesses and Disenchanted, and for that reason appealed more to younger fans than than like the classic fans of Disney because it plays more into the tropes of the current or recent 
Disney princesses, such as like Moana, Mulan, even um, these kind of uh, Rapunzel, these kind of like princesses that are a little bit independent and like are trying to find themselves, have disagreements with like their mo- their parent figure, because you kind of get that sense with the with the sister, with the I mean with the daughter kind of character. But yeah, like I think for that reason, kind of was yeah. was not as well received and wasn't understood, but kind of in. I've I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I really enjoyed I, it. I appreciate what they were trying to do. I just, they just didn't. For me personally, didn't pull it off as well as that original Enchanted, which was, you know, such a masterpiece. Mm. Yeah, and that, and I wanted to touch a little bit on what you were saying, Derek, about there being a fine line when you're trying to parody or satirize the genre, or just in general, because. Sometimes I think I think maybe some studios think it's easy, or, or they think there's like a shortcut to do it. Because don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. I, I love the first two, especially the first one. I love the first one because it directly, mostly parodies Scream and a Scary Movie, which uh, oh, little um, trivia: Scary Movie was supposed to be the original title for oh, Scream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Anyways, but and the thing is, the those movies, the the first one. I'm gonna focus on the first one. It, it tries to do what Scream did, and it tries to be funny and everything. It's like ninety percent comedy, mm. and it does a fine job of being a funny movie. But there's, it, it it gets it wrong, in that aspect. And then after Scary Movie Two, it becomes absolute dog shit. Yeah. Like they're just fucking horrible films. But that that that's the, the example. They're pulling, I'm they're pulling very much so in that way too. Like they're pulling from not the greatest like scary movies again. Also, like I think like after two, like you have the they they like have to like pull from like M Night Shyamalan work. I think they have like a a spoof of the happening in one, which is like uh. Those thing, like so immediately dated. Like, look at the posters for like any of like three through five, and you're just like, oh yeah, those were movies that came out in like 2008 that we forgot about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, even scary movie one through of them, they, they <laughs> yeah. all are fucking dated. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the first one, oh god, if you were to show the first one to anybody, they're gonna be like, okay, I get they're making fun of Scream, but everything else, you know, they have the WhatsApp joke, yeah. which at the time Two has the Matrix. Sense. Joke. Yeah, yeah. Two has a matrix, and then they have the two has like the the Nike basketball fucking oh, yeah. commercial joke. Yep, yep, yep. And the fir- what else? Did, the first one. What else did it do? It made, it made fun of like more nineties movies too, like uh-huh. uh, Usual Suspects and stuff. I think but, um, the first one, which is like a, a classic meme that, but I don't know how relevant it is. But I know that the first one referenced like hide your kids, hide your wife, you know. Oh that, no, that, moment, that was before. Yeah. No, 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 but one. In was one. Oh, really? Yeah, the first one? Oh, yeah, that was I guess it's that. his no, character. Are you? I don't know. Maybe. Because what's his. Because Marlon, Marlon Wayne's character is very much like that kind of. That guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't oh, know. yeah. But like but like that Hide Your Kids thing was like. That was like, like the meme, like the early memes. Mm-hmm. Like, Scary Movie 1 was like, I think 2000. And it was like referencing like 90s like commercials and films mm. yeah so like i mean m- maybe it was referencing a later scary movie but anyways mm. um 
yeah, there's that fine line that some films try to do. Like, like again, like I said, I, I love that movie. You know, scary movie one's funny as fuck, but it fails on trying to do what Tucker and Dale versus Evil did. Mm-hmm. It, 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 in the sense where I mean, even now, like I'm, I, if I were to tell somebody, oh, go check out scary movie one, there's a lot of things that they're not going to understand. It's very dated, and mm-hmm. it's not going to hit that same feel as this as this film will because. This film is ultimately kind of timeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It it, it kind of has all the ingredients of a typical like you know Hills Have Eyes, fucking mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Evil Dead, Cabin Evil in Dead. the Woods, yeah, kind exactly. of thing. Uh-huh. Just the classic Woods. Cabin in the Woods story. Uh-huh. Exactly. So so like, scary movie is like, it's making fun of Scream, which came out in '96, and it's making fun of beer commercials and. Maybe the Matrix, I don't know, but it's mm-hmm. very like of its time where mm-hmm. sometimes it just it'll work when it comes out, but it's not going to work forever, unfortunately. Yeah, there there is only one moment in this that like puts it in a specific time, but I did actually think it was really funny because they talk because this you know movie came on twenty ten, so they talk about twenty years earlier, which would be like nineteen ninety, and then it just mm-hmm. like hard cuts to them playing pump up the jam in that flashback. And I just started like cracking up because it's like this it's like this serious story and then it just like starts playing the song from Space Jam and you're just like, oh my I can't. Like that that moment had me. I think stuff like that's okay. I think that's like yeah, it works, it one works, little it thing. Yeah. It, it works, yeah. Because it was a it's reference. Cool. It wasn't a reference to something that was popular when this movie came out. It was a reference to something that had been popular twenty years before this, and so that's why it worked. And, and the thing is, this will still work because we live in an age of nostalgia mm-hmm. where everything from back then is being re- like, or dude, I fucking nineties feel- still feels like it was like. 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Uh, 20. Yeah, the 90s, 10 years ago. <laughs> well, that's the whole yeah. point. Like, that's yeah, why exactly. like, it's very much, yeah, like a phenomenon, recent phenomenon. But, but yeah, no, like the whole thing with the nostalgia is like, I, I've been hearing, you know, I, I don't I, I don't really listen to the radio as often as I used to, but, you know, times when I'm driving in the car, there's like all these songs that are like using samples of like very popular songs from like the 2000s and the 90s where like it's kind of getting reused to the point where like now people that are way younger than us will hear that and then if they watch this movie like i'm pretty sure pump of the jams is in some film or in some song recently right now i think even my girlfriend played a song the other day where it was like an edm remix of it and it's still gonna connect with people it's still gonna connect in a certain way where people are going to be like, oh, I remember that. And, and even younger viewers are going to laugh at that and be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Like, e- everyone's going to have a certain stage in their lives when they've heard it kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it doesn't absolutely. necessarily date it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But with that, um, thank you guys, as always, for, for having a discussion with me about movies. Yeah. Um, and um, for anyone out there who um, like to hear more of us, Derek, guests on some podcasts, any recent ones in- to date? Uh, yeah, I do want to mention that I was recently on a show called Guess What? You're Wrong, where we talked about some horror films. We talked about 
and I don't even feel bad about saying this, an absolutely terrible horror film called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, uh, which is really bad. Uh, and then I, I also... I like dog shit. I'm not going to lie. So bad. I, I, it's really bad. Everyone kept asking me at work. They're like, you, you like horror? Are you going to watch it? I was like, that really looks like oh, shit. It was, it was done vainfully. It was made vainfully. Yeah, I go into that a bit on that podcast. So that was fun. I'm also um, guest on a couple episodes of Common Ride with me. Just did an episode of the old Super Mario Bros. movie. And then I'm always on my friend Damien's podcast. Um, uh, can I say something? Can I ask you real fast? Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, and ask you, it, just so the listeners get a little bit, mm. um, a little bit more detail on that. Common ride with me. So, do you guys talk about Common Rider all the time? So that podcast, he—I've uh, basically only been on bonus episodes, but he is watching the Super Sentai show. Uh, and yeah. he'll be watching like two different shows, and he, they, him, and his co-host kind of go and review episode by episode. Um, I've been on like one episode. I came in blind and just talked about an episode of Jetman, which was the series before they started adapting the Power Rangers. That was a blast because I had no idea what was going on. Uh, and then, but I've mostly just done bonus episodes that he's done on Toku stuff that is more American or different than the Common uh, Rider or um, Super Sentai stuff that he reviews. It's a great show. Everybody should check it out for sure. I, I, I just asked because I thought you were like secretly a common writer fan. <laughs> and I was gonna be like, where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Continue my bad. No, no problem. And yeah, and then if you would like to hear a lot more of us here at the Undercast Company, you could check out our own podcast of um more of this and as well as my podcast that I release monthly of uh, You've Never Seen. Um, I've recently started a series with my brother. We're following up our previous series of me introducing him to my utmost favorite favorite movies of all time with uh, favorite movies from my childhood because we're we have a 10 year difference and we it's gonna hopefully be pretty fun to the first based on the first episode of um me discussing page, the page master with him of uh, uh, just kind of like introducing like how you know my childhood was and the movies i enjoyed as a, as a as a kid and since i've kind of lived through his own childhood um so so yeah so go and check that out as well and um, with that, I would like to thank all of you, as always, for, for listening to us babble and, and talk about movies. And um, everybody out there, thanks for being amazing. All right, see you guys next time. Take it easy, everybody.